what does it exactly mean to walk in purpose? I know it has become a thing in our culture to know your purpose or to do your thing. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, what does it actually mean to walk in purpose? Well, that's what I want to discover with you. I'm Jody Cell Grove, and I am excited to walk with you, to discover together what it means to walk in God's presence and live a life of abundance in our everyday lives. We'll do this through sharing testimonies, digging into God's word, and walking out Matthew 17, 20, where Jesus said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. I'm so honored you've taken the time to walk with me this week. Welcome to She Walks in Purpose. Welcome to She Walks in Purpose. I am your host, Jody Selgrove, and I am super, super excited to be starting season two. This is episode one. And I'm hoping that you had a chance to catch the prep for season two um, because I laid out um, our scriptures, I read them, and I also provided some insight of what exactly season two is going to entail. And I also provided this uh, little preview to being on YouTube, which as I'm speaking right now, I am live. And how this is going to work is I am actually going to be live every time I record. Uh, And then what I'll do is once the live feed is over, I'll I'll take the, the video and edit maybe just a little bit of the beginning and, you know, just edit just a little bit and then it will all it will be released at the same time that the uh, podcast is released. So you have multiple times to listen to the mul- the podcast, excuse me, and multiple times to actually see me, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But I'm just telling you, I was not expecting to go on to YouTube or you use YouTube at all. But it came up for me in season one and. I, as I've prayed and just listened to um, the Lord's leading, he, he definitely said to move this forward. And so I'm just going to be obedient um, because that's, that's what I want to do. I just want to please uh, my Lord and Savior and my Abba. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and do a little bit of a recap to to prepare anyone who has not listened to the prep. If you haven't, I would just encourage you to do that. But um, season two is actually, I think I'm going to back up just a little bit because if you are a first time listener, you may not know what She Walks and Purpose is all about. So what I'm going to do is I am going to actually do that type of a prep and then I'll move into season two. Um, So She Walks in Purpose is literally about Jody, me, being able to share in a way that I 
love to share because I love having conversation. And so even though right now I'm not having, there isn't someone sitting across from me, I'm not having a conversation with someone. I literally kind of feel like I'm having a conversation with you, um, even though I can't hear you. But uh, She Walks in Purpose is, is really about me sharing what it's like for me to live out his purpose while living in his presence in my daily life. And the foundational uh, scripture is uh, Matthew 17. And I'm going to find that real quick here. So please be patient with me because I wasn't preparing. I wasn't planning on actually recapping, but it just came up for me. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. This is real, people. I just like to keep it real. Um, it's Matthew 17, 20. And it says, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And I, I believe that God gave me that scripture passage first and foremost, so that his word in this particular verse would do what it's supposed to do in my life. And that I would discover more of who he is as I walk out this journey of literally doing this podcast. Um, it, It has been my experience, specifically in the last six years, that when he gives me a scripture, his intention is for me to learn to see him for more of the veil that covers my eye to not be able to see him clearly more of that is is stripped away so that I can see him clearly and and then it's also a a working out of what it really means to be his disciple what it really means to be his follower and um that's kind of in a nutshell what she walks in purpose is all about and he he gives me a theme you could say he gives me a theme for each season and season one was his purpose and presence in difficult seasons and I actually shared uh my difficult season in life, which was about six years ago. And then I had various people on who talked about their difficult seasons and and they talked about what they learned in that difficult season, what they learned about him, how they, how they gained clarity of who he, of who he, God is to them during that difficult season. And, and really what was his purpose for them to move through that difficult season? So that was that was season one, and now we're in season two. And I have really been led to re- to focus on what does his purpose mean. So you know, like the mission statement for she walks in purpose is for she walks in purpose is his purpose and presence. 
and, and how to live that out and, and recognizing that when you're living that out, you are living an abundant life. And when you're, if someone is hearing this for the first time, you may say and may be thinking, it sounds like it sounds ironic or the words you're using seem ironic or it's an irony or it doesn't even make sense. It, it's not, I'm not able to take these words that you're saying, Jody, and I'm, I'm not able to say, how is this even possible? And I, I want you to know that I've been there and I sometimes still go there. Like that's just the way life is here on earth. And that is actually one of the reasons I am doing this podcast is I want to speak real. I, I want to be real with, with you, the listener. And quite frankly, I know that when I'm doing this, I'm even, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus at the, at the same time. And I'm having a real conversation with him and he's, he's having a conversation back with me and, and we're, we're reasoning it. Um, yes, last night we just, we had another, we have a Bible doctrine class here at the ministry every Monday evening. And um, um, we were led to Isaiah 118, which is, you know, the Lord speaking here. I'll just read it since he brought it up. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean, God is through his Holy Spirit, like literally brings these scriptures to mind. And, and he just brought that to mind as I was speaking. And it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And and I believe the reason he brought that scripture to mind was just the beginning of Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So when I'm saying I'm having this conversation with you, and I'm also having this conversation with my Savior, I, I really truly believe that I am. And and he is conversing back with me and, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking him these questions and I'm, I'm seeking him, you know, Matthew seven, seven and eight, ask, seek, knock. I believe that's what's happening as I'm speaking right now is I'm asking and I'm seeking his face and I'm not going to stop knocking until he reveals to me what I'm asking for, which with every conversation that I have here and in each episode, we are asking him to reveal himself to us. And, and I believe that's his ultimate desire is to reveal himself more to us and, and us saying, we just want more of you. Um, so with that said, his purpose is the theme for season two. And I want to read the scriptural scriptural foundations for season two. Um, the first one is first Corinthians one 26 for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to word worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of no noble birth. And then the next one is Ephesians four. And just so you know, I am reading out of ESV. Every once in a while, I may read out of a different translation, but mainly I will be reading out of uh, the ESV. Uh, so Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then the last scripture 
is Psalm 51, verse 12, that reads, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And I believe that um, God gave me those three verses because I, when I was led to 1 Corinthians 1, 26, earlier in the year, I, I truly did ask him, Lord, what, what is this calling? And I want to know, you say it in your word multiple times, I want to know what that calling is. And then in Ephesians 4, Paul is saying that he's urging the church of Ephesus, the people that he's writing to, he's urging them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they have been called. So now we're, we're considering our calling, then we're urged to walk worthy of the calling. And then in Psalm 51, it is saying, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I believe the calling is salvation. And I believe that when Paul is saying in Corinthians and Ephesians that we are to consider our calling, we are to consider the salvation that we've received, and we are to walk worthy of the salvation that we have been called to receive. And uh, so then you may ask yourself, well, how in the world is that connected to his purpose? And that is what I want to dig into in episode one and episode two, I, I really see this as an opportunity for me to just lay some foundation and quite frankly, process with you out loud. What is his purpose? And um, what he made it when I started thinking about, okay, how do I lay this foundation, Lord? He took me back. And I, when I say took me back, I mean he took me to the beginning. So I can say back because I look at that as past. You know, I, I recognize that in, if, if I am to really see everything from God's perspective, there is no past, present, or future because he is. Um, but he was directing me to go into Genesis to really start to understand his purpose. And so that's actually where we're going to start. Um, and I'm going to put on my reading glasses <laughs> so that I can read better. Okay, so all the while I'm reading the scripture and processing out loud what some of the some of the things that um God through his Holy Spirit has imparted to me as I've studied this out is I'm I I'm gonna I'm praying and I have prayed that God just continues to impart some relational pieces for you and really for me so I always love to pull in real life so how does his purpose and understanding his purpose from the beginning of our time, how does that relate to me now? How does that relate to me today? And how could I apply that today? So um, I'm just going to 
just pray that right now, Lord, I just thank you for, for guiding and directing um, this conversation that I'm having with you and this, and this conversation that I'm having with those who are listening. Um, I just invite you, Lord, to, to be here. Um, and we, and I just invite your presence to be palpable, not just for me, but for those who are hearing and that, um, ultimately we get to, uh, see you more clearly and, um, commune with you in, in a deeper way. So, you know, I know that you hear me, Lord, and I, and I thank you for already answering my prayer. And I, I thank you for answering the prayers of those who are, who are praying for me or not for me, but with me. Um, and, and we just thank you for who you are, Lord. And in Jesus name, I pray. Amen. So we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to go to Genesis one. And I'm going to start in verse 26. So remember, we're talking about his purpose. And we have to begin at the beginning. And what what I'm really looking for here is what is what was his intention in, in creation? In other words, how or why were we made? So we're starting in Genesis verse 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now I'm going to move to Genesis 2. Believe me, or trust me, I should say, not believe me. Trust me, please, because I'm going to read through these verses and then I'm going to go into like a synopsis over, over, or, or an overview and connect all these scriptures. So I, I'm now moving to Genesis 2, verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good food good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I'm going to skip to verse 18 in chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. For Adam there was not found a helper, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Okay, that's where I'm going to stop there. So, what I just read was the creation of man and the creation of woman. And I want to pull apart some pieces here. If we look at verse 26 of chapter 1, this is after God had created the heavens and the earth. He had separated um, light from dark. He had separated land from waters. Um, he had brought forth vegetation. Um and he, when he was done with those things, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. I don't know about you, but that really humbles me to think that God decided to make a creature that was in his likeness. And that is me. He decided that he needed to create a creature to be relational with. Um, even in verse 28, it says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. So not only did he make us in his image, he blessed us. And then his blessing was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And guess what? I'm going to give you dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He gave us everything that we needed, including himself, because he made us in his in his image. So you may be asking, how does that have to do with his purpose? Well, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about what the Trinity is. And I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. I think it comes down to this. Our God is a relational God. And he does everything in accordance to who he is. He can do nothing less than that. So if he created us, if he cre created 
man in his image, then he created us for him. He created us for his glory. He created us for his purpose. And even in verses 28, in just verse 28, he tells us even some of those purposes to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I think, no, I know there was a time in my life where I had taken a lie as truth. And this is, this is what I did. That my purpose was to, well, one example would be my purpose was um, to be a teacher. My purpose was to be a mom. My purpose was to be a wife. Then it became my purpose is to be a coach. Then it became my purpose is to be a founder of a ministry and lead a ministry. And my purpose is to lead teams and da 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 da. I am not saying that that I wasn't to do those things. What I am saying is it was never my purpose. If I truly believe that I was created in God's image for his purpose to provide him glory, then those were avenues in which I was living out his purpose for my life, his intention for my life. So what I'm really saying is, There is a lie out there that says that you get to decide what your purpose is, that you get to decide how it looks, how you shape it, what you do, so on and so forth. And I'm here to say that in my experience, what God has revealed to me is that my life was never my own in the first place because he created it. I I didn't create myself. He created me. Oh, you know, the passage that's coming to mind right now that I can just coincide that is Psalm 139. And I'll just read a couple verses. Oh, Lord, I'm going to start just in verse one. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go? I'm skipping to verse seven. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Um, if I keep going to verse 13, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It doesn't say this in scripture, guys, but I'm going to tell you that I believe that when God was creating Adam, as it is written in Genesis 1, that he already knew me. 
He already knew Jody. He already knew what was going to happen in my life. He already knew every single aspect. He already knew that in this moment I would be recording and I would be wearing these clothes and I would, I mean, I, this is the awe that I experience as I even am talking about this right now. This is the awe that I have for, for my creator, the awe that I have for my God. That he would choose and ordain all of this just so he could relate to me. And I'm saying that it's the same for you. It is not an accident that you're, you're on this earth today and you're in the exact place that you are right now as you are listening to this. It is for a purpose and it's not your purpose, it's for his So I'm going to keep going here and I am going to skip to not skip. I'm going to go to Genesis three and now we're going to talk about the fall and, and I am still going to connect this all to his purpose because we have to understand that if I was created in the likeness and image of, 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 of him, or really it says, let us make, let us make man in our image. That means we were created in the image of the Trinity, the um, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Everything that everything that occurs from that point on is still a part of His purpose. So, we're going to go to Genesis three. I'm going to start in verse one and going to read through verse seven. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now I'm going to keep reading and then I, like I did before, I'm gonna, I will go back and process it all with you and do some summarizing. So now I'm skipping to verse 22 of chapter 3. When the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned away that that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Guess what? <laughs> I forgot a couple verses, so I'm going to back up to verse 20. Mm. 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed clothed them. Okay. 
So as I said before, I'm going to preface this again. So God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, an image. So he does. He forms Adam, and then he uses a rib from Adam to create Eve. Um, and then at a certain time, the serpent comes along and deceives Eve. And Eve is deceived, is deceived, takes a bite of the fruit from the tree of good, good and evil. And, or excuse me, I better make sure I'm saying that right. Let me make sure I said that right, people. If you hear that, it is one o'clock in the, I think it's one o'clock. No, it's 12 o'clock in the big town of Arcadia. Mm. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, so the serpent comes along and deceives Eve to take um, fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She does. And then she um, shares it with her husband, Adam, who also knew that he was not to do that. And he eats it. And then in verse 7, it says, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Did you catch that? They did not know they were naked until that moment. They had everything. God had given them everything. And in that, in, and in saying that, I will add, they were completely dependent on God. Completely. He, he was their life source. He provided everything for them. And until that moment, they did not know that they were naked. And what did they do when they found out that they were naked? They worked to cover themselves. In other words, they were in shame. And they created their own clothing. When before, there was no need for clothing. Because they were in complete communion with their creator. So in this moment, the communion between God and man was broken. And so if we now move to, which was, before it was broken, that was God's purpose and intent. It was for man to be in complete, unabashed communion and intimacy with God, complete dependence. Then this happened, which I'm also going to say, I shouldn't say, and then this happened, I should say, and this happened, still in line with his purpose, still a part of his purpose. Um, 
And then we move to verse 20 where the Lord God, and I skipped a, like quite a bit of stuff, but just for the purpose in which I'm sharing today, we're going to skip to verse 21 where it says, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. The first sacrifice ever made. God made the first blood sacrifice. And he did it to clothe Adam and Eve. It was his intent and purpose all along for Adam and Eve to continue to be in, com- in complete dependence and reliance on and in him. They tried to do it on their own. And then if you keep reading in verse first, or excuse me, chapter three, after they made their own clothes for themselves that they hid, they tried to hide from God which we cannot hide from God. None of us can. I just read in Psalm 139, it tells us that you can't hide anything from God. He knows the words that are good. You're going to speak before you speak them. He knows the thoughts in your head before you even have the thoughts. So God, again, his purpose, his intent was to still provide for Adam and his wife, even though there was a separation now. And I, through various conversations, this question, what does verse 21 point us to? And I'm going to say Jesus on the cross. It points us to Jesus. Verse 21 points to Jesus, the, the sacrifice. This was the very first blood sacrifice, and it points to Jesus' sacrifice later on. In history, I also want to point out verse 24. God drove out the man, and at the east of the garden, he garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim. And it's protecting and guarding the way to the tree of life. Why did he do that? Because in that moment, Adam and Eve could have been destined to death like eternity, death. And and again, God's purpose and intention. He was already making a way for the communion between himself and his creation to be joined again. He was already directing the way. He was already pointing the way to Jesus, being that... um, ultimate sacrifice to bring man back into a relationship with him. A, a, a relationship of dependence. Some of this may be extremely foreign to you. Some of it may not make any sense. So Lord, I just ask for you to continue to guide and direct my words and that, you know, in your timing, Lord, that um, you are working on all who is listening, that uh, they would start to recognize that they were created for you, 
They were created for your purpose. They were created for your glory. Um, I think it's in Romans. I'll go there right now because I want to talk just a little bit about, excuse me, my coffee's working. Uh, I am going to read verses 18 through... No, I'm going to I'm going to just read verse 20. Romans 1:20. For his invisible attributes, we're talking about God here, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Everything that you see has been created for his glory has been created to reveal the attributes. And in verse 20 of Romans 1, it says, namely his eternal power and divine nature. That's anything and everything that you see. It is, it is to reveal him. Again, his purpose, his purpose in creation. And his, his purpose in creating us, I'm going to reiterate that again, is to be in relationship with him. And it is um, for his glory. So the next aspect that I want us to transition to is, as I said in um, or, or earlier in Genesis 3 verse uh, 24, or no, 20, that God's, the first sacrifice when God created clo- uh, clothes for uh, Adam and Eve, it was the first sacrifice, and that's pointing to Jesus. So um, I am going to take us to um, John 3.16 first, because, I mean, I'm pretty sure... People know a verse, a lot of times that's the verse they know. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So to remember in verse 24 of Genesis 3 where he said where it says that God placed a cherubim on the east side of the garden of Eden Eden to guard God's purpose was always for man to live eternally with him sin came into the world so now there's either eternal death or eternal life there was a gap now and as I said in in Genesis 3:20 where he made clothes for Adam and Eve that's the pointing to Jesus the true sacrifice and then now we're here in the gospel of John 3:16 where it says God sent 
his son, gave his son, gave up his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. So he sent Jesus to earth to be the perfect sacrifice so that man could now come back into relationship with their creator, the one true God. Um, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. And again, it brings up an awe. Um, it's, it's humbling. Um, it's, it's really unfathomable. Like it's, it's very difficult to understand for me, even now, as I'm speaking to you, that God had Jody in mind as all of this is happening. All of it. He had me in mind from the very beginning. And he had you in mind too. He had us all in mind. He desires a relationship with us. He desires for us to get to know him and and uh, dwell with him, reside with him, abide in him. Um, and there is no length, width, or depth that he will not go to to reveal himself to you. I'm going to move us into, I, I said this is humbling, it is humbling. So I, I want to take us to, um, uh, where do I want to take us? I'll take us to Matthew 5 first. So what I'm doing right now is I, I'm setting us up to another aspect of his purpose. So we just, we understand that from John three sixteen that God sent or gave his only son. That whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Well, what I believe that John is putting out here right now is he's talking about um, an aspect of calling. Because if Jesus gave his life, then he provided a way. He saved us. He created a path. He, he created a saving path to our creator, to God. And so then I would use the term salvation. And I believe salvation is ordained. I believe that when I accepted Jesus as my savior, when I was a little girl, and it was my grandma who led me in, in, in a prayer of salvation to accept Jesus as my savior, I believe God ordained that moment. I believe he chose that moment. If I truly believe that, that he is God, that, that he is in all above all and holds all things together through Jesus, that he chose that time. That wasn't a coincidence. And that wasn't something that Jody made up or that my grandpa made happen or my grandma made happen. I, I believe that it was ordained by God himself. And that, that he chose the time, the place, everything. The, down to the millisecond, he chose it. And um, I believe that's a part of his purpose. 
for me specifically, but I believe that it's, it's that way for everyone. So I believe in, in what I consider being called to salvation. I, b- I believe God ordains a time and a place for people to hear him when he is beckoning them to draw nearer to him. And that takes me to Matthew 5 because there are just some things that we have to understand of a position that we must remain in. And he he has just brought to mind John, or excuse me, Matthew 5, 1 and, or not 1 and 2, it's uh, 3 and 4. This is Jesus when he was um, giving the Sermon on the Mount, and, and they call this the first part of the Beatitudes. So I'm in Matthew 5, uh, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Something we need to understand here, as Jesus is is delivering this um, sermon, he is basically telling everyone present, this is what is expected of you to be a follower of me, to follow me. This is what expect is expected of you. And guess what? You can't do it on your own. We need this. This needs to take us back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve could not close themselves. They could not hide from God. God had to provide for them. We were never designed to be independent of our creator. We were designed to be dependent on him. We cannot even breathe without him. He designed us in such a way where we can take in air and breathe, take in oxygen and send out carbon dioxide. We did not do that ourselves. He designed it that way. We, we can't even control it. It's not, it's an uncontrollable thing. It's what he, how he designed our body. So when Jesus is giving the sermon, he's saying, this is, this is the expectation for you. This is what is expected for you to follow me. And guess what? You can't do it. You, you have, you have to have me to do this. So when he's telling us, and blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, this means you need to remain in a position where you recognize that you are nothing. I mean, he tells us in John 15, we are nothing without him. I think it's John 15, 5 or something like that. I'm looking it up just so I can say it according to how it's written in scripture. Uh, yeah, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I need to recognize that I am nothing. I came from, you know, I was designed by an amazing God, a a creator who is so creative and intricate when he designs and and plans and has order to what he does. And and it is all for his glory. It is all designed that 
I commune with him in such a way. And because of sin, I am yuck. I am yuck. And I need to recognize that I am yuck. And yet he has chosen me. Chosen me in the sense to commune with him. And, and, it, and, and if I am in that position all the time, this is a position of humility. If I'm in that position, then the kingdom of heaven is mine. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? It's all of who he is. It is him. It is God. It is the Trinity. It is Jesus. It, it includes the Holy Spirit that he imparts to us, that he gives us. Um, it's mine. But I have to remain in that position of humility, not thinking that I can do this on my own because I couldn't do it in the first place on my own. What makes me think I can do it now? The, the verse four says, blessed are those who mourn, meaning repentance. You know, repentance is not a one and done. It's a continual thing. We are to live in a state of repentance. That's a state of humility. We are to live in that place. I mean, let's be real here. We live in a fallen world. According to Genesis 3, we live in a fallen world. We're never going to get it perfect. This side of heaven. And that is why we must depend on him. So that's the place of humility. And I'm going to keep going back there throughout the whole, the whole season too. Um, quite frankly, I'm going to keep going back there because God keeps taking me back there myself. So I'm now going to connect to Romans 3. Am I going to connect Romans 3? I don't know. Uh, no. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians first, and then I'll go to Romans 3. And then I promise I, I will wrap up. This is a longer one, um, but I just think it's important, all these pieces that I'm pulling together. So I'm going to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. So now I'm going to talk about Jesus a little bit. So that sermon on the, the two verses from the Sermon on the Mount, that's before that's before Jesus um, was arrested, before he was beaten to his last breath before he was had to carry a cross before he had, he was hung on that Christ cross. Um, he was telling us what it would what it was going to be like for us to follow him. What it what it took to follow him. And so now I'm in Second Corinthians five twenty one where it says, "For our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin." He being God, for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right there, that tells us it's a continuance of Genesis 3.20. Genesis 3.20, the first sacrifice, 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. Well, of course he knew no sin. He was God, he cannot have any part of sin. But God made his son to become sin, to be sin, to make a way, to make the path of salvation so that we 
could become the righteousness of God. So we could become or so we could move into a relationship with God. So we could have a right standing with him. We could not have a right standing with him. We could not be in his presence without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because God cannot be anywhere near sin. He hates sin. He can have nothing to do with it because he is holy. So that now takes me to Romans 3.23. Again, I'm going to reiterate this. All a part of his purpose. This is still all God's purpose. Romans 3.21-26. through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fell short of the glory of God when Eve took a bite of the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil. We fell. Yes, we did. And we still fall short without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, where did I leave off? Oh, and are justified. So for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we are justified by his grace. It was a gift when Jesus bore, became sin, who knew no sin whom God put forward as a propitiation, which I just read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. That is That verse, 5.21, is literally the definition of propitiation. By his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness. God's purpose in Jesus on the cross, the ugliness of what it looked like for Jesus to take the wrath of God, his Father, that was to reveal God's glory. That was to reveal God's righteousness. That was to reveal to us the depravity of who we are, the depravity of sin. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier, the one who sacrificed. It was to show his just and to also justify the one who has faith in Jesus. In other words, move us into a right standing with him through Jesus. Still his purpose. All of this is his purpose. Now, in closing, what I'm going to do is just briefly connect. How do I take all of that into consideration as I live my life? And, and what does it mean to live in his purpose, taking everything that, that Jody just shared? How do I live that out? I would go back to Matthew 5, 3, and 4. Recognize that I am poor in spirit. Look at everything that God did. In his purpose, in his plan, 
to move me back into a place of relationship with him. And he did that all through Jesus Christ. Um, trying to think of a real life example from just yesterday. Um, well, I would just have to say in relationship um, in, in, in my perception of how I view my everyday tasks. How do I live all of that out? How do I keep all of that in a frame of mind as I go about my daily tasks? How about just not even yesterday? How about right right now as I am <laughs> literally talking this out with you? How do I live that out right now? I have to be in constant communication with him. I have to ask him to help me keep him at the forefront. I have to ask him to continually remind me that it's his will, not mine, that it's his purpose, not mine in everything that I do. Even down to, okay, Lord, when exactly am I supposed to to go live and start recording for episode one? of season two of She Walks in Purpose. Okay, Lord, you have this plan and I want to be a part of your plan. I want to be with you as you move. Um, I recognize through your word that you sent Jesus. I believe that you sent Jesus, Father, and, and that he became sin for me. So that I could talk to you in these moments. That that I could share you in these moments as I'm being recorded. Or um, as people are watching. If they're watching. Or when they watch. Remind me Lord that um, nothing I do is to give me glory. Because I can't handle glory. Everything I am. Everything that I say, everything that I do, everything that I see is to bring you glory and is to be about you and not me. And that um, it doesn't matter what's happening around me or to me. It's all about you because it was all about you in Genesis 1, in Genesis 2, in Genesis 3, and so on and so forth. And, and it's not about my purpose, Lord. It's your purpose. And I get to be a part of your purpose because you chose for me to be a part. You created me. You, you chose for me to be a part of your purpose in some way, shape, or form. And I don't, know how, I don't have to know all the details because I know the one who does know all the details. I know you. So what you just heard from me are the conversations that I have with him. And I'm not saying that I do it every single moment of the day and that I do it every single day. I am not saying that. I am saying that I do have those conversations with him. I don't get it right all the time, but by the grace of God, um, I get to. By the grace of God, I am reminded that he is number one. He is to be number one. He always has been number one, and he will never move from that position. 
and that I get to join him, that I, that I get to talk to him. You know, I, so there in those, in those few words, that's me like in a state of, oh, that's right. I repent, Lord. I, I put my desires ahead of yours. I, I put my, I, I said, I want it my way. Um, that's bringing in that humility and repent, repentance, um, um, peace. So I hope this has made sense to you. I, I pray that, um, that God is using these words that he's giving, giving me to reveal himself to you. Uh, I, I just can't, I can't say it enough that, uh, he designed you for him. He created you for him. And, uh, as believers, I'm speaking specifically to believers right now. We are not reflecting Jesus if we think it's okay to condemn others. If we think it's okay to tell other people how they should live. If we tell people how they should talk. If we tell people and tell people and tell people. We're not reflecting God's purpose in those moments. We're reflecting um, our own will, our own desires. And that is, you know, one of the main motivations for me specifically is, um, Lord, help me tell truth in love. Help me, help me, help me speak about you in love. Um, that's just a really deep heart's desire for me. And I pray that for you as well. So next week, we'll be digging into more of his purpose. And I'm going to really speak, be speaking. I'm going to be adding to this layer of foundation of what it means to be called to salvation. So um, another another term might be um, chosen. What does it mean to be chosen? Um, and really, just because I was not just because um I become a child of God when I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I am not a child of God until that moment. I am a created being of God. Every single human being that has ever walked the face of this earth, anything that has been created, um, any human that has come to live on earth, and even those precious babies that um, have died, we're, we're created in his image. Until I have accepted Jesus as my Savior, I am not a child of God. I have been created by him. And so I'm going to go into a little bit of depth in episode two about that. And, and, and another aspect of episode two to, to finish off the laying of the foundation would be, now that I understand that I've been chosen and I've been called, how do I consider my calling? How do I walk worthy of that calling? So I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. What does it mean to live out our salvation, to walk out our salvation? So um, with all of that said, I just thank you for joining me. Um, 
And please do not hesitate to reach out to me. You can find um, the email address in the show notes and um, you can subscribe to the YouTube YouTube channel, She Walks in Purpose. Uh, I look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you for walking with me this week. My prayer is that you've seen Jesus even more clear, recognized the immensity of God's presence, and discovered an even deeper abundance of life, knowing whose you are. My encouragement to you is this. Know God's presence envelops you. His purposes are for His glory, your good, and that entails a life of abundance. Blessings in the truth and grace of Jesus Christ.